What is going on, everybody? I am Greg Hellback, and my co-host, Michael Pinter, and I are bringing you another episode of the New York Real Estate Investing Show. This show is all about how to be successful in New York State, one of the best places and one of the most difficult places to do business in. And each and every week, Michael and I are going to bring awesome content to everybody who wants to learn how to do this business successfully in New York. Between the both of us, we have done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deals. We've made millions of dollars and we've also made a ton of mistakes. So if you want to try your best to avoid those mistakes, definitely take a listen to this podcast. Every single week, we are going to provide actionable tactical steps on how you can be successful investing in the Empire State of New York. Stay tuned and welcome to the show. So we're going to talk about how do you raise private money from your real estate invest for your next real estate investment deal in New York. I'll start with what is private money because that's probably a brand new person's first question. Private money is not hard money. So a lot of hard money companies will advertise they're a private lender, right? And that's a kind of a bait in the switch, in my opinion. My definition of private money, my own, and it, this could be arbitrary, is basically a non-institution who is generally a associate of yours, whether that's a family, a friend, a rich, well, rich uncle would be family, um, you know, your friend on Facebook, some private party, either their own cash or their IRA, or maybe they have a company that they just individually own that will lend on your real estate deal. And the terms are to be negotiated. So there's no hard and set fast terms. It could be however long the interest rate could be whatever the investor wants, whatever works for you. And that's my definition of private money. Mike, do you have a different definition other than that? Same thing. It's a it's a it's a loan that uh, is not is not institutional. It could be anything negotiated between the two partners. Most private lenders have their terms that they use. Yeah. I, I met a private lender who lives in my area who charges fifteen percent straight up every time. We'll go and we'll but we'll lend hundred percent. And a lot of people that I've sold to that used him, I guess maybe he's a hard money lender, but um. You know, that's they they file, they just take his terms and that's fine. Every, does anything terms, could be, does he low? Does he get payments on the back end, or is he a front end guy, a monthly guy? It's a good question. I don't know. I, I think he probably takes payments. Interesting. So uh, here's a big benefit to private money if you can negotiate it well. So as a real estate investor, when you're fixing flipping houses or even wholesaling houses, if you use hard money, ninety nine out of a hundred lenders pretty much 100 out of 100 lenders, like hard, typical hard money lenders, Kiavi, Lending One, Rock East, et cetera, they're going to require monthly payments, right? So you're going to have- How dare you? Sorry, whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're going to require monthly payments. So you're going to have to lay out uh, a, generally a down payment and a deposit in the form of 10 to 20% of the purchase price plus closing costs. They're going to net fund your points. And then- after the first full month, so if you close mid-May, they'll take June, mid-May, and then so starting July, we just did this. That's why I'm saying that. Right. You're going to have to make a monthly check. You're going to have to write a monthly check, or they're going to automatically deposit or withdraw a monthly payment, the monthly interest payment. So if you have six houses going out at once, going on at once, every month you're going to have a certain amount of cash just going out the door in interest payments with a private lender. You can negotiate the term to be a balloon payment, which means that when you uh, when the loan concludes, the lender receives their principal and interest in the form of a balloon. Therefore, you don't have to make them monthly payments, which then protects your cash flow, so you don't have to worry about that money going out the door every month. That's the biggest reason I like private money, Michael. What about you? What else about private money besides the obvious? So, it's a huge the the not making payments every month is a huge 
thing that's very very helpful especially if you're doing multiple deals right there was a point in time where i had like 17 properties and i had to make 17 monthly payments it's a lot of cash going out of your account right even if you raised a lot and i had raised private money to cover the cover other parts of it but it's a lot of money and it's it's a daunting thing when you think you're going to sell a property and you get delayed for a month or two and then you start looking and start projecting what if you know you got to say when you're selling re properties to retail buyers they always have a mortgage contingency they can jerk you around for three four months and then just say sorry we got denied so when your cash flow is getting tight and you're making all these payments and then somebody says that to you when you realize you're three months behind the eight ball now it's 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 difficult now if you have a lot of profit in the deal and it's somebody that's and that same thing happens but it's just accruing it's a lot easier to handle you can say okay i thought i was gonna make 40 and now i'm gonna make 30. that's okay but if you need money to pay for your marketing and pay for your overhead and you're paying multiple hard money uh loan payments every month it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot so that's that's the best part of, of private money i mean there are other advantages too most private lenders don't require an appraisal some do but most don't a lot of hard money lenders require an appraisal now Yep. That may seem like a simple thing, but it's not a simple thing if you're buying a property with a non-cooperative tenant. They're not going to let an appraiser in. It's not a simple thing if the property is condemned by the by the municipality and there's no way to get inside. It's not always it's not always easy access to get inside. And some lenders will will be more flexible with that, and some won't. I've had and that's why you're usually getting the deal is because if it's got it's exactly. Got yeah. And I've had hard money lenders tell me we need an interior prison. I'm like, you can't get one. I'm buying it occupied. It's got a tenant in there who's not going to let you in. And I've we've gone I've gone nose to nose with them on these things. It bugs it bugs me. Most most uh, private money lenders are not going to do that, right? They're going to look at you can look at your research or do their own research, or they're going to say, yeah, it's fine. I know, you know, yeah. trust you. You know, there's there's a there's a bigger level of trust with a private money lender. Yeah. Also, relationship. It's more relationship based. Private money lenders are, I would say, never going to run your credit or check your personal financials. They may look for your um, for your track record to show that you've done it so history which a lot of the hard money lenders will too but you know if you have a credit issue um but you're a good operator pro most private money lenders are gonna be fine with that so i think um there are a lot of advantages to private money and really and really really if you're good if you're doing a good job and you're buying right it's it's a tremendous win-win situation so I, I remember the first deal i ever did um i got i used a broker to get me a hard money loan it was a I got raped so bad. It's amazing. I can sit down now. This was, and this was ten, more than 10 years ago. I think I paid 16% interest with like six points. It was like crazy. Oh so, so if I told somebody now I'm going to give that to you, they would, they would be repulsed. But the truth is it got me into my first deal and I made yeah. a lot of money on that deal. Right. And it got me started. So I can't look at it as, 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 as a bad thing. I mean, I, I, now I can look back and say, wow, I can't believe I got, I got taken advantage of a little, but if the deal is good, usually the terms of the loan are not going to Great make deal. it bad, right? And people are are are, are so put off of I'm not going to pay 12%. That's crazy, right? <laughs> it's not crazy, right? You, be, you someone's lending you money on a property that can't get financed other other ways. And and if you think about the difference, what, what a current mortgage rate six and a half. So if you're paying an extra five and a half percent rate on a, on a nine month term, you're paying a few thousand dollars more. It's not it's it's if that kills your deal, then you don't have a deal. Exactly. So you got to look at this. And, and and when I started, so I, I, my partner raised a lot of private money and we, we, we really were so desperate to pay people that what we did is we took hard money loans out on every property. And then we used the private money to fund the gap 
And then we split the profits with them. So every time we sold the property, we had this huge interest check to a private money lender. And then we had to split the, sometimes 50, sometimes more than 50% we were giving up on some of these things. So eventually we righted that ship and, and, and stopped doing it that way. And I, I do recommend that if you're going to raise gap funding, and I and I borrow gap funds all the time now, but don't don't give them equity. Just pay them no. uh, interest, interest. Just do it as debt. Right. I I'm the same way. I will not do an equity split because we number one we don't need to, and number two it just doesn't make any sense. It's just it's an un it's an un you know it's not that the incentive is is not there really for the op. I mean obviously they're going to perform, but it's not it's not worth it because there's so many other people out there who will lend on a debt position. Like I've found too with private money by getting better at it over the years like. When I, I'll just say, when I first started doing the private money thing, I was a little gun shy in the sense where like I was conditioned to do hard money. So I would usually raise like 90% and I would show the investor. I'd be like, listen, I'm going to put 10% in. I have cash. I want you to feel protected. And once I started doing that, eventually I was like, all right, I got more comfortable with it. I had more experience. And now like if it's a smoking hot deal, I'll raise a hundred percent of the purchase. I'll raise all the closing costs. I'll raise the entire rehab. And sometimes I'll raise like a little bit extra just so I can put it back into marketing or whatever. And I have no problem doing that now if the numbers make sense, because now I just got all my cash back. I don't have a payment to make the guy. I can do the right work with the right contractor, with the right permits. And I'm, I'm good for a while. And our mutual friend, Jeremiah, has gotten exceptional. He's one of the best I've ever seen at doing private money. He's a master at it. And that's how he's been able to scale his business is because he was doing this hard money thing. And he grew his business and he's like, I need to go private. And he, you know, took took action and ended up doing that. But it allows you to stay in control of your cash flow because like if you have, you know, like those monthly payments coming out, it really fucks you up. But like I know on some of these and sometimes there's a private lender actually from Long Island. that I'm paying him 14 percent with a four month minimum. Right. So and we'll get into that in a minute. I don't give a fuck because he gave me. The fucking purchase, the like the whole thing, you know, I I don't give a fuck, you know, and it's back end payments. So right. don't look at the interest rate and accept it for what you think it is. Because if if you have a deal that you're buying at 75% of ARV minus repairs, all I look at with 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 hard money and private money, it doesn't really matter. It's a fucking line item on my PL. So I look at the acquisition, I build up my basis. I put the repairs into it and then I go look at the disposition. And then when I'm going through the line items before we sell it, I'll say, all right, the line item for a payoff is going to be the principal pluses of interest. And it's a fucking expense. And then the net is the net, right? So another, another good thing about private money that I've found, and this has helped me get money from people where, um, you know, they might've been on the fence is normally I'll tell them 1% per month for 12 months. Cause I like to have the money, unless it's like a rental property where I'm going to do a rate term real quick. I'll do a six month deal. That's not a problem. But if it's a flip or something that's a little bit more quote unquote risky, I'll tell the investor, I'll say, listen, we're going to do a 12 month term. So that's going to be the length of the loan. And I'm going to guarantee you for um, ideally four. sometimes I'll settle on six. I guarantee you at least six, six months worth of interest. So if I somehow buy and sell this house within 90 days, three months, you're going to get 6% minimum. And if I have it for eight, eight months, not, you know what I mean? I just, it's a, it's a simple, you know, scale. And that has yeah. gotten some investors that were on the fence with me to, to, to take action because they're like, all right, well, if this guy has a property for two months, for some reason, I'm going to get six months worth of interest. Like, fuck it. I'll do that. And then I can turn, that has gotten and then I can people turn. to the finish line for me. That yeah, my, main, 
my main private lender is a four month minimum and I've paid them off in two months yeah. several times and it's fine, whatever it is, it is what it is. Like uh, most of the deals are not going to get done within less, but sometimes they do. Yep. And I don't look at it as, oh no, I look at it as it's fine. I mean, I, I, I you, it's a cost of doing business. That's all. It's a cost of doing business. It's if you have a good deal that shouldn't, I look at properties and this is where like in New York, people don't understand what you and I are talking about. Like I'll tell them I got 50 grand in soft costs and they look at me like I have 17 heads. I'm like, no, no, no. I have the closing costs. I got a commission of four and a half percent. I'm not a broker. I have a fucking a, a lender interest. I have taxes that are six grand because I've had the house for fucking four months and the taxes are 16 grand a year. And then I'm I'm like, it's usually like 50 grand, right? It's just- to, I'm Usually, usually the, day, the day I close, I'm out 50 to 60 grand. That it's day. absolutely nuts. Yeah. Right? You're going to pay, you're going to pay. And I, I'm a broker. So yeah. I'm not, I'm only paying 2% when I sell it. But still, if I'm selling something for $500,000, that's 10 grand. You know, and then there's a lot of costs on the buy. I just, I closed something. I paid almost $20,000 of closing costs on something last week. Did you prepay the taxes? That seems high. Some of it, it was due. I had to pay it, but like, I hate that. it was just bad. And I bought it for 460. I have a 550 offer and I'm like, uh, I hope I'm going to make 30 grand. Yeah. <laughs> That's the truth. That's, here's a good rule of thumb for people. I was explaining this to Brett the last week. I said, listen. If we're doing a whole a basic wholesale deal where we're arbitraging the buy price versus the as is list price, I said we need a hundred k gross spread because we're going to have fifty of absorbed soft costs, and I want to make right. fifty. So it depends. By the way, it depends on the on the on the the, on the price. price. Right. If it's, if it's a two hundred thousand dollar buy, you may only have thirty thousand dollars in costs. Yeah. And if yeah. it's a seven hundred thousand dollar buy, you may have seventy thousand. One fifty, two hundred. Yeah. Right. Right. I, I had that thing I bought for four fifty and I sold for five seventy-five. I found the buyer two days after I bought it. And they closed in two months. It cost me almost six sixty-five grand to do it. So I didn't make $125,000. I made half of that. But that's because it was it was a bigger also the bigger sale. Like even I mean, obviously you want the bigger spread between what you buy and what you sell, but when you sell it for more, there's more closing costs on the sale because you got to pay a realtor. So it's uh people don't realize it, right? I I and I've had I remember when I was really rehabbing a lot and flipping i used to have jerky putzes come into the house some jerk off realtor would go uh, you know i was at i was selling something for let's say five hundred thousand that i had bought for three hundred thousand and he would say something like wow you know i wish i had bought this for three hundred thousand and i'm like you have no idea what i spent you have no idea what my costs are i want to stab you in the eye with a pen but i'm not going to do it because i don't want to go to prison like that's the thing that people would say and they don't they don't, don't know like they don't know I see this a lot with like shitty wholesalers. They'll send me like a deal and I, I in my area, which I know, and I'm like, uh, dude, you're trying to sell me this house for 485 and it's worth five, four hundred. <laughs> you think I'm going to make money because they've never bought a house before. They don't understand. They're like, oh no, you have the potential profit of, I'm like, dude. I'll lose potential property is negative $40,000. Yeah, I'll lose at least 10 grand if I'm lucky. Like, and they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, run the fucking numbers, pal. Like, that's the thing too, where I see it's like, so in our area, what we'll do is, well, if it's a, if there's a hundred K spread, cause most of the shit is like 250, 300, if there's a hundred K spread, we're fine. Like it's, it's the, it's almost perfect. Right. But yes. once you start getting into rehabs, you, then you need to understand how that works. That, that we've done shows on that. That's a whole nother ball of wax, like with fucking rehabbing. And, but I've found that, you know, in, in our area, if, if you're in the lower Hudson Valley, Long Island, New York City area, if, if you have, uh, if you're buying a property at about 75 cents on the dollar, sometimes 80, depending on how expensive it is, 
minus repairs, you'll make money. You'll make, I, that's what I found. Even at 80, at 80, you'll make money from what I've seen. As a, as yeah, a I mean, ideally when I'm wholesaling, I'm trying to buy it around 70 minus repairs yeah, and I'm no, trying to wholesale it out at 80 minus repairs, right? Which yeah. is why we make more money wholesaling because most, by the way, most places it's similar. Like the, those numbers might be off where like in Phoenix where people buy things at 90 minus repairs, but, um, crazy. but they do, they do because that's just what the mar market yeah. went. But in general, a wholesaler should make about about on average about ten percent, eight to ten percent of the ARV. Yep. So our area, we have if I have higher ARVs, you should make more money, right? Yep. I just I put an offer on something in Jackson, Mississippi today. The guy, the guy, and I'm talking to a guy there, and he's like, I think we can make three thousand dollars wholesale. You know, I'm like, the hell are you talking about? He's like, yeah, that's you know, I know this is all, those aren't your New York numbers. But we try to make three to five thousand, but we do high volume. I'm like, Ugh. Dude, take I, said, I would stay away from that like the kung flu, dude. Holy shit. No, so but, but like they don't like I looked at the numbers. I think I can close on it and just sell it retail and make and make 25 grand. Yeah, that's a good so deal. That's what I might that's what I might do with it. That's a deal, right? So yeah. But yeah, some people, of these other markets are crazy. San Diego, yeah, like, people were fucking doing there were guys before the market turned here and the interest rates went up, dude. They were doing like the median sales price before it took a shit. Well, it didn't take, before it went down was like in between 950 and a million. And I know guys, friends of mine who were fixing flipping and they were accepting 25 to $30,000 net profits. And I'm like, you make more on the commission. If those guys all got slammed when the, everything shifted, I'm sure. <laughs> it's just, it's yeah, because the ARV goes down. <laughs> Listen, Jason Lewis says that in Utah, which is, I mean, there's really one city in Utah, which is Salt Lake City um, and the suburbs. He said that people were, investors were buying properties for numbers that, that were more than what he thought the ARV was. Like he he was selling he was selling loans he was selling deals wholesaling deals to people, thinking to himself, I would never let my grandmother pay this for this house. It makes no sense. And it was all fun and games until until the rates went up at the end of last summer, and then yep. people got slammed. And he he lost money on six flips. Oh, he really? That, the ones he took down himself. He said he had. Higher the higher end market there, which is like over five hundred thousand, over six hundred thousand. He said that market was down thirty percent, and he lost money on all his flips that we had in the pipeline. But he said whatever he got out, and he was happy he got out. So, yeah. So you, you see newbies make that stupid mistake also, where they think like a twenty five thousand dollars discount on a five hundred thousand dollars house is something that an investor will buy. Like it, it's, it just shows oh, people's ignorance. It's just I've, I've, I've explained to people many times. I go, I promise you that anybody buys the property at that number is going to lose money. He's like, why? You get thirty five thousand dollars on it. I go. It costs more than $35,000 to buy it and sell it. He's like, what? What are you talking about? Oh, you're borrowing money? I go, yeah, most people are borrowing money. <laughs> I'm not writing a check. And if I wasn't, I'd still have closing costs of $10,000 on the buy and $15,000 on the sale. So where, how the hell am I making any money? <laughs> I had a guy in your area send me a deal in New Windsor that was listed. This is funny. So he sent me- oh, I, love, I love listed. That's great. Yeah, yeah I know. You would have fucking went nuts. He sent me an off-market Mount Vernon house that ended up, there was a fake seller who signed a fake listing agreement. So he looked like a clown. The agent did. Nice guy. But he just, you know, I sent a buyer there and like, it was a fake lead, right? So then he sends me a, a listed pro. I hope he's not, doesn't, if he's listening to this, I don't care. I'm not mentioning his name. Then he sent me some bullshit in Syracuse. I'm like, never send me something in Syracuse again. I don't buy up there. So then he sent me a new, like New Windsor is my zone. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Tell me what you got in New Windsor. So he sends me the thing. It's listed. I, I, I go on the MLS in two seconds. There's no pictures. It's one, the, the Google image of the house. 
It's listed uh-huh. for 217. I hope no one can reverse engineer this. And I'm like, this is like the perfect rental area. And I said, listen, pal, I don't want to burst your bubble here, but this has been on the market for like 115 days and it's not worth what you're trying to sell it for. And he's like, ah. and I'm like, I can give you an offer. You're going to be offended. Your client's going to be offended. So I offered him like, I think I offered him like a hundred grand or something like that. Cause like I could do that as a rental easily. And you know, he was kind of giving me a hard time and I'm like, dude, this property, like something I learned from you, Michael, to make this a commercial about you, cause you're so awesome is real estate. Listen, listen up, ladies and gentlemen, real estate's a function of price. The MLS is a very efficient market. Dude, I have that tattooed in my, in my brain. It's true. If something is on the market, especially with the limited supply that we still have in 2023, if it's priced right, it will sell because of the efficiency of the market. So anytime I see a listed property and it's on the market for more than like 70 days or even fucking 40 days, if we're being honest, it's not priced right and it's not going to sell. Let me tell you something. If I see it, if I see it on the market for 20 days, I, I assume it's not worth that, right? It may be close, but let's say it is worth that, right? So I, I, once in a while, people still send me a listed property and they go, hey, this property, it's and I go, it's listed. So they go, so? It's listed below market. I said, no, it's not. It's listed at market and no one's buying it. He's like, well, I think it's worth $150,000 more. I go, then why wouldn't anybody buy it at that price? No, now, now, sometimes there's a good answer. Once in a while, there's a good answer. Like someone just showed me, um, it's a short sale, weird property, and it's got uncooperative tenants so nobody can get inside. So then maybe that's, maybe fair. that's, that's right? Fair. Or it's some kind of crazy situation where there's no access, then maybe. What really rare, rare, very, very rare that that will happen. But I, I've ha- I've explained this to many people. I go, if it's listed for the current value, it's not worth the current value. And I can't pay the current value, right? I can't pay what it's worth, right? If I pay what it's worth, I lose money every time. I have to buy it at a significant discount from what it's worth. So what do I know? I know it's not worth what it's there, what it's what it's being listed at. I know I need it for significantly less. And if the owner has a asking price in his mind, it's very, very rare that an owner is going to say, I'll, t- I'll take 70% of what I've been asking because that owner expects to get close to what he's asking. That's just a fact. So do I want to work on, on, on reconvincing a seller that what he's asking is 30% higher than what it's really worth? I don't want to do that. I don't. Now, I get calls from people all the time or leads that come in where a property is listed and they're like, well, I want to, I want to ditch the realtor. My realtor sucks. And... Uh, Tell me what you what you can pay. And I and I say, I can't pay anywhere near where it's listed. Well, what do you mean? It's really worth more. And it's a whole, it's a horrible exercise. Just that today, it's an exercise of utility. It really is an exercise of utility. So, and I tell this all, and I have to educate people all the time about this, that that people who get into this business and start looking for listed. What was the topic to, that, of this of this anyway? What was it? Private money, but this is relevant. Okay. I have to educate people all the time and, and, and people, as many times I tell them, they still do it because they just don't want to do the hard work to talk to off-market sellers and they go after listed properties. Yep. I, I can't, I have people literally come to my RIA every month and tell me about a listed property and why this one's going to work out. And I tell them every time I go, you're not going to make money in this business on properties that are listed. You're not. Yeah. I'm not saying I never bought a listed property. I'm not saying there isn't a, a listed few. property. I've done a few of them. Right. There. I'm not saying there isn't a listed property out there that you can't make money on. I go, but you are fishing in red waters instead of blue waters. You need to go for, you need to do the hard, the hard work.
Well, because that requires rejection and marketing skills and sales skills. And- but you know what I'm finding out now as I analyze this, you know, I always thought that people didn't want to make the calls uh, to sellers because they were afraid of rejection. What I'm finding more is that people are afraid of a seller saying, yeah, I want to sell. And they're afraid that they don't know what to say to them. And they're afraid that they're going to lose their $120,000 deal because they don't know enough. And that they're afraid of that. And I have to convince, and I have students like this, and I have to convince them. I go, you do not have to worry about that. If the seller has a significant problem and you and you follow the script and you get that information, I promise you, and they ask you something you don't know, just say you don't know and you'll be fine. You, you, will, you will still be able to buy that deal. So people are afraid of both ends, right? They're afraid of getting told to, to die in a fire, like I was told. And they're getting and they're getting afraid. They're afraid of somebody saying, "Yeah, yes." Um, what's your offer? And they're like, "Here's a solution." Oh, to that hang up. Just hang up. <laughs> like the girl's like, "I'd love to go on a date with you." By the way, my parents aren't home tonight. And they're like, "Ah, oh. <laughs> what do I do? Oh I can't do this. <laughs> what are you doing, right. bro? You got to pay up." You know? People are afraid of both ends, right? And when I coach people, I I, yeah. I really have to. Yeah. Hold their hand mentally yeah. and say, yeah. do not worry about the rejection and don't worry about the act, the, the acceptance. Don't worry about what people acceptance. actually say. Yes. When they want to sell, because you don't, you're not, you're not going to lose that billion dollar deal. Right. No. If you're like, well, if I just call this guy in a year when I know more, then I'll get the deal. They have the Michael mm-hmm. Pinter JV, the flagship, the flagship Michael Pinter JV program to, to plug into for that. They would be foolish to not do that. I mean, shameless plug for your JV program because it's like, yeah. You got a fucking guy who knows what they're doing and they'll help you. And that's the beauty of the JV relationship. It's like, you can do the work. I have the knowledge and the money. Let's put two and two together and we all make some money and they'll learn. And I had a guy, I'm totally blowing myself right now. I had a guy, you might know him, he's a great guy. Not going to mention his name. He sent, oh, he actually was, I was on the phone. He helped me with a permit in Poughkeepsie because he lives there. So I needed him to drop off the application and the drawings. And I was like, just talking, you know, he started in like 2020 and he's like, Greg, I got to let you know, I'm about to make a hundred thousand dollars on a wholesale deal. And I got to thank you for a lot of the, the help you've given me over the years. Cause he was a timid, new investor. He's about to make six figures on a wholesale deal. And he's like, I appreciate you being like my unofficial mentor. And like that felt better than me scoring a $30,000 rip. Just being able to like make a difference. And like, cause I showed him through experience. Yeah. You changed the guy's life. You changed literally. The yeah, yeah. I, I, together. yeah. I get more joy out of out of making thirty thousand dollars on somebody's JV deal on a sixty thousand dollar JV deal where I'm making thirty than I would making the sixty because 60. it changes everybody, it cha- changes their whole belief system and, and makes them much happier. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's private money lenders slash a little bit of closing costs slash a little slash bit of everything. MLS shit. <laughs> so obviously you got value from today's show. If you didn't get value, get out of our podcast. We don't want you to listen to us. Uh, but if you did get value, leave us a review, share the show on social media, and we will see everybody on the next episode.